0: This episode of Geared Up is brought to you by National Car Rental. Take control of your travel experience with National Car Rental's Emerald Club. Visit nationalcar.com to find out more.
1: Welcome to Geared Up. I'm geared up, podcast producer Claire McGrain. Andrew and Todd are both traveling this week, so we have another special episode for you from the GeekWire Summit. And this is a big one it's The Reginator. Reggie Fizame is the president of Nintendo of America, in addition to being the inspiration for more than his fair share of memes. He led Nintendo's US operations through the somewhat disastrous launch of the Wii U, the extremely popular Pokemon Go app, and then the company's console. With the recent success of the Nintendo Switch. Todd interviewed Reggie on stage at the GeekWire Summit, so I'll let him take it from here.
2: I thought you were going to say it. Reginator,
3: right? (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, you've got some famous lines around your name, and maybe we'll get to those a little bit later. But, you know, Reggie, I I think a lot of people know Nintendo in a variety of different ways, and it was really remarkable to see that video, just the the recall of the brand and, and its experiences. People technically define Nintendo as a multinational consumer electronics and video game company. To you and to the company right now, who is Nintendo? What is Nintendo in 2018?
2: Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me here. I get asked the question a lot, right? What is Nintendo? Who is Nintendo? How do you define yourself? From our viewpoint, Nintendo is an entertainment company. Our passion is making our consumers smile. And we do it a variety of different ways today. So we have a large piece of business that's focused on leveraging our intellectual property in a variety of different ways. Whether it's in partnership with Kellogg's to create Super Mario Cereal. Whether it's a relationship with Universal Studios in a Super Mario world that's being built uh, in their Osaka Park right now whether it's our relationship with Illumination Entertainment, where we're in the process of making a Super Mario movie. So that's one of our three core business pillars. The second is our mobile business. We've launched a variety of different mobile games, and we've got a Mario Kart mobile experience coming uh, by the end of our current fiscal year. We've just launched a brand new intellectual property called Dragalia Lost in Mobile. And then thirdly, we've got our dedicated video game business, which is the way most of our consumers interact with us. But these are the three key pillars of our business, all focused on driving really an entertainment positioning, utilizing our intellectual property, and as I said at the outset, making consumers smile.
3: So as you said, though, most people think of Nintendo as a video game company. Are you in the process of, of trying to change that perception through your actions or your words? Well, Again, I, I believe that consumers know us through our
2: intellectual property. Yeah. right? The video you shot, uh, having consumers have a memory of their favorite uh, video game. I, I was just at a uh, conference with 6,000 employees from GameStop. And as I interact with them, they're talking about their favorite experience with our games, our intellectual property. They're showing me their tattoos. It's about our our properties. It's about Mario and Zelda. Um, It's about Pokemon, all of these wonderful intellectual properties. And how we leverage these across a variety of entertainment platforms is really how we're looking to grow the company.
3: So Nintendo has been through a fascinating five or six years here, and if you look at the Nintendo Switch in particular, in a little bit more than a year, it sold nearly 20 million units. And I know you haven't reported the latest numbers yet, so it it could very well be more than that. But there was a period that Nintendo went through three, four, five years ago where people were doubting the company. And if you look, I actually did some research and looked back to some of the coverage, and I think some of the more favorable words I found were out of touch, foolish and doomed. (laughs) And we've been talking a lot about leadership over the course of these last two days. When you are faced with that kind of skepticism from the external world and clearly you've rebounded and changed the perception but during that time period how do you lead a massive group of employees and and keep them still believing in this larger vision?
2: So just a few days ago Nintendo celebrated its 129th birthday. Hmm. 129 years old. So this is a company that has reinvented itself constantly. You know, many of your speakers are talking about invention of new companies. We reinvent ourselves, you know, every 5, 10 years. We have to in this fast-moving entertainment business. The other piece about Nintendo is we always do things differently. It's in our DNA. Doing what other people does is just not what we believe in. The other aspect to this is that we focus on giving consumers experiences that they haven't even thought of. And so when you're constantly going down this path, you create doubters. You create people who because we're not taking a traditional path, people say, uh, it must not be right, it won't be effective. So, whether it's been with the Wii uh, back in 2006, whether it's been with our Nintendo 3DS, whether it's now with the Nintendo Switch, our focus is innovating, giving new experiences, and in doing so, driving our business forward. Lastly, you know, this innovation focus doesn't always work, and we're, we're the first to admit that there will always be stumbles along the way. But in the words of one of our, uh, one of our presidents, uh, this is Mr. Yamauchi, he said, when you're doing well, don't be excited about that high-flying performance. And when you're doing poorly, don't be saddened. Always have an even keel and always focus on the next big adventure. And that's what we do.
3: It's fascinating. You know who else likes to espouse that philosophy is Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks. So I think you might have some commonalities there. Although clearly you're on much more of a winning streak than they are right now. Ouch. So with that, how do you though rally the employee base? Were you giving out specific communications to them? What, what, what were you trying to do to, to make sure they stayed inspired to, to follow that vision? Well, so we
2: constantly talk to our employees about our mission, our strategies. Uh, I, I hold uh, monthly meetings with all of our uh, senior staff, constantly updating them on our performance, and their peers are sharing Uh, the results of all of the different activities. I personally meet with every uh, group of new employees to Nintendo of America, sharing our philosophy, sharing our strategies, helping them understand where we're going. And so we do believe in heavily communicating what we're doing, how we're going about it, and we celebrate our progress, and we also talk about when things don't go right. So it is a constant focus on being clear to all of our employees how we're doing. And this is not just a Nintendo of America approach. The
3: same thing happens in Europe. The same thing happens in Japan. One more question on your leadership style. There is an iconic video of you stepping up to the stage. I believe it might have been at an E3. And you said, my name is Reggie. I'm about kicking ass. Do you want to take it from there? (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm about taking names and we're about making games. I remember... I think I was in the audience for that E3 in the press, and I remember thinking how different it was and how in contrast it was with my perception of Nintendo's culture. Was that a purposeful effort by you to make a statement about the company's attitude? And, and if so, what went into that? Well, it was it was a purposeful statement on the part of
2: the company. So not, not on my initiative, It really was on the part of the total company. And just to to give some perspective, I joined the company uh, in December of 2003. Uh, E3 was my first big public opportunity to speak to our community, the fans, the developers, our business partners. And as we were creating that messaging, Uh, Myself and our global president at the time, Mr. Satoru Iwata, we were in constant communication as to what was the message that we wanted to deliver. And recall at that E3, we launched the Nintendo DS, Mm -hmm. the best-selling video game system of all time, and we showed the very first footage for a Zelda game, which was uh, to become Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess a piece of video that literally made people cry. And so the entire presentation was focused on presenting, you know, essentially a new Nintendo. A Nintendo focused on delivering innovation. A Nintendo focused on bringing the best of our intellectual property to bear. And so it was an entire presentation focused on the future and where we were looking to go. And so that line encapsulated what we were trying to do. We're going to be bold. We're going to take risks. We're going to push the business forward. And um, it was fortunate that it resonated so well.
1: We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, Todd will ask Reggie about how Nintendo is going beyond the traditional video game genre, With things like its DIY cardboard Labo toys. That's after the break on Geared Up.
0: Big thank you to National Car Rental for sponsoring this week's episode of Geared Up. Travel tech can make you a master road warrior. You know what else puts you in control of your business trip? National Car Rental's Emerald Club. You can bypass the counter, choose any car on the aisle, and go. It feels good to be in the driver's seat, doesn't it? Go national, go like a pro. Subject to availability and other restrictions.
3: Let's talk about the Switch. Uh, as I said, it's been out for a little bit more than a year, about 15 months. Tell us the story of this console. What did you think the first time you, you saw this?
2: You know, So it's a, one of the things that I love about my job. I get to see uh, our systems well in development. I get to see our games well in development. And again, to set the stage, we had launched a system called the Wii U, uh, following on the heels of the Wii which had sold a hundred million units globally. And the Wii U did not have that same level of success. But what we heard from consumers is that the proposition of a tablet that they could experience gameplay coupled with the ability to play games on the big screen TV was really compelling. Also, what we heard from gamers around the world is the one point in their gaming experience that they hate is when they have to put the controller down and go do something else. Go to work, go to school, what have you. And so that started our thinking around a system that would allow you to play on a big screen TV and then take it out of a dock and take it with you and play whenever. Wherever you wanted to, and as I saw the embodiment of that system, uh, and when I first experienced uh, Nintendo Switch, you know, for me it was it was a moment where the hair on the back of my neck raised, and it was the same way I felt when I first held the Wii Remote. And the same way I felt when I first saw the inner workings of a Nintendo DS. And so, with that moment, we knew we had a compelling proposition. But what I was actually holding in my hand was uh, a non-working unit. It was something meant to stimulate how it felt in the hand and, and what the core concept would be. Our engineers had to execute it. Our developers needed to create the compelling content to bring it to life, and we're fortunate that we've been able to do that. And as you say, in our first 12 months, the Nintendo Switch in the U.S. has been the fastest selling system, and our goal is to
3: continue delivering on that momentum. It's interesting when you put it like that, because it's similar to some startup stories we hear where they try one product, and it's maybe 60% of the way there, and I I Sounds like that's what you're saying about the Wii U. It had the concept of the tablet incorporated with the on screen experience, but this obviously untethered that tablet and allowed you to take it along. And do you sometimes think of the Wii U as the, the beta for the Switch? Yeah, I, I wouldn't quite say the beta, but, but certainly
2: without our experiences on the Wii U, we would not have the Nintendo Switch in terms of what we learned and importantly, what we heard from our consumers. You know, they were telling us, you know, I wanted, I want to play with this tablet, this game pad for the Wii U, but as soon as I get more than 30 feet away, it disconnects. So the core concept, something that you could take with you anywhere, anytime, was really compelling. So it it was an important step for us to be able to deliver on this proposition.
3: There's some common themes running through the things that Nintendo has done over the past few years. One of them is the the bridge between the on-screen experience in the living room and the rest of the world. And we're going to talk a little bit about Pokemon Go and augmented reality later on. But another is sitting there to your right, the Nintendo Labo. You just came out with your third kit. And I think this may be something that not everybody in the audience knows about. Could you run us through exactly what this is? Sure. So, Nintendo Labo, uh,
2: the concept is a, uh, a proposition that melds interactive gameplay with physical gameplay, it, prov- it utilizes uh, DIY kits made of cardboard to create these what we call Toy-Con controllers that enable you to manipulate what's going on on the TV. In addition, there's an element of this proposition which allows the player to create their own experiences. And so, what I'm holding here is from our latest uh, kit that we call the vehicle kit, and this is the yoke for a plane. You know, maybe we could get the Boeing team to come and, and, uh, and play with this later.
3: Put that thing in a 787.
2: <laughs> but, you know, so it's, it's made of cardboard. It, it, it uses one of our controllers that allow you to manipulate the experience going on the big screen TV. Uh, as you said, we've got three different kits. Uh, each utilizes uh, the controllers in a different way and the, uh, the screen from the Nintendo Switch in a different way. For this one, it's a piano that the, the Nintendo Switch slides into this front area that allows you to see what you're doing. The Toy-Con slides into the back, uh, which allows you to then manipulate the device, see what's going on. And so uh, these kits uh, are, are sparking the imagination of our target consumer that's you know, between five and eight years old. Yep. It's being recognized as uh, one of the hottest toys of the year. And you know, for us, what's really compelling about it is it's something that young kids can do on their own. There are very detailed instructions on how to make these kits. But it's also a great opportunity for parents to interact with their kids and to have fun creating all of these
3: different devices. My, my seven-year-old daughter has been doing this. We've only gotten so far as the the gas pedal on the, the <laughs> Mario Kart wheel there. And it, it is a process and it is a fun process what lessons can people take away from this? Because this is, it's unexpected, it's a bridge between the physical and the digital. Is, is this where you see tech going more broadly, connecting these experiences in the real world with the digital world? One of the things about Nintendo is that
2: while we constantly innovate and we push the envelope, by no means are we main, making statements on behalf of you know, global industries. Yep. For us, what we look to do is to create compelling experiences, typically that have never been done before, and to bring them to life in a way that's compelling and motivating for our consumer. And when we do that, we spark the imagination of other developers and other industries maybe to take what we've done and and push it in a different direction. We've done that with uh, controllers, uh, analog sticks didn't exist until Nintendo executed one in one of our historical devices. Touch screens weren't a common phenomenon until we included it on the Nintendo DS. Accelerometers, gyroscopic controls, these are all things that we've innovated with in order to... Uh, to deliver a great experience, but then they've been adopted in other ways and by other industries. So you know, we'd love to see more of this tactile experience between uh, interactive experiences and and the touch and feel of, of something in the real space. Uh, but for us, it's just another example of doing something creative and doing something different.
3: Just recently, you, re- you released the uh, official version of... Switch Online, your online gaming service. I spent, just in preparation for this session, I did spend some time reading a lot of the gaming forums, and clearly the peer-to-peer approach of your online networking is probably one of the most controversial things you've done in this realm. Can you walk us through the Switch Online experience and respond or address some of the concerns that people have about the performance of P2P versus centralized servers? Mm -hmm.
2: So, Nintendo Switch Online uh, is a service that enables five things to happen. So first, certainly, it enables connected gameplay on games like Mario Kart or Splatoon. Uh, Second, uh, it leverages our legacy content. And we're we're making Nintendo Entertainment System games available through our Nintendo Switch online service. We launched with 20 games. We just announced three more are coming to the system in just a few weeks' time. Thirdly, it connects to an app on your mobile phone. And that's how the voice chat uh, application works. Fourth, there's a cloud save uh, that consumers can participate in. The cloud save is active even uh, for uh, six months after you might have terminated the service. And then the fifth element are what we're calling um, um, special opportunities. And the one that we just launched with are two Nintendo Entertainment-style controllers that fit on your Nintendo Switch and can be used to play the legacy content. So a robust uh, series of services that annually costs $20. So substantially uh, lower than our competition. What's interesting is, again, the Nintendo approach is to do things differently. Uh, It's a much different suite of services than our competitors offer. Uh, And we deliver these experiences in a different way. And so uh, you know, it, it creates uh, a yin and a yang for our consumers in that they see what we're doing and they're excited about the cloud save and the legacy content, but they wish that we might deliver, for example, voice chat a different way. But for us, you know, what we see is a situation where we know the Nintendo Switch is being played out uh, in the open, out in a park, Um, on a on a metro bus, whatever the case may be. And we believe the easiest way for you to connect and to have a peer to peer experience with voice chat is through your mobile phone, because it's always there. It's always connected. It's always with you. So again, what I what I started this talk with, we focus on innovation, we focus on doing things differently. And that is always going to be our thrust.
1: Time for one more break. We'll be right back with more from Nintendo of America President Reggie Fizeme, live from the GeekWire Summit.
0: Hey, Road Warriors. The latest tech puts me in the driver's seat every time I travel. Control your travel experience with National Car Rentals Emerald Club. Bypass the counter and choose any car on the aisle so you have more time to use your smartphone to tune in to the Geared Up podcast. Go national. Go like a pro. Subject to availability and other restrictions.
3: When you started, you framed Nintendo differently than many people think of it, and I think a lot of people in making those kinds of comments about the peer-to-peer functionality and the different features are comparing you directly to PlayStation and Xbox. Do you see Microsoft and Sony as your primary competitors? You know, so I
2: don't. Think of it this way. We all have 24 hours a day. 1,440 minutes a day. We eat, we sleep, we go to work, we, or we go to school. All of the rest of that time is entertainment time. That's what I compete for, minute by minute. And that time you spend surfing the web, watching a movie, um, watching uh, uh, a telecast of a conference. That's all entertainment time that we are competing for minute by minute. So my competitive set is actually much bigger than my direct competitors in Sony and Microsoft. I compete for time. And when I do that, I have to be creative and innovative in order to win that battle for time.
3: So, some people might say that Nintendo was late to mobile, but but that's not true because if you think about the Game Boy, that's the the ultimate (laughs) mobile experience you were later than some other game makers to smartphones. And I think this game, Super Mario Run, which was originally released for iOS, was the the turning point in that, along with Pokemon Go, Mm -hmm. um, which you're obviously involved with through Niantic. Talk to us about Nintendo's approach to smartphones specifically.
2: So we see our mobile initiatives as a way to bring our intellectual property and our gameplay experiences to a much larger population than the tens or hundred million consumers that own a dedicated gaming system. And so Super Mario Run, as a great example, we ne- with this uh, application, which also launched for Android, so it's, it's across uh, both marketplaces, we literally have hundreds of millions of consumers experiencing Mario. We have consumers in markets that we don't distribute our game consoles experiencing Mario. And for us, that is a major initiative. And it allows us to have new consumers fall in love with this great intellectual property. That's our vision for mobile. It's a way for us to deliver our intellectual property in compelling ways to consumers who may not have experienced those properties before with a belief that they'll come back and maybe buy a Super Mario t-shirt, they may eat that Super Mario cereal, they may buy a Nintendo Switch because of the affiliation and affection that they now have with the IP.
3: It's interesting because I think the external perception was that Nintendo was protecting its first-party hardware by not releasing games in that era for third-party smartphones, for iOS and Android devices. Was that the case? And, and if so, did it change, or was this now, the plan all along?
2: Now, For, for us, again, what, what we needed to think through is how could we utilize the smart device marketplace in a way that drove our overall business agenda, the overall business agenda of uh, entertainment and making people smile. So we needed to create unique experiences because we felt a traditional experience that we created for our home system, if simply transplanted to a mobile device, wouldn't work as well. So we needed to create unique experiences. We needed to work through the monetization uh, because we are a company that's driven to make money. Uh, And we needed to work through how to uh, be effective on platforms and marketplaces that we ourselves didn't own, you know, i.e. The, the iOS platform, the Android platform. And that took time. But now that we've created this experience, we have Super Mario Run, you know, literally uh, downloaded uh, hundreds of millions of times. We have Fire Emblem Heroes, which is uh, an intellectual property that by our standards is quite small. But the game is monetizing exceptionally well, and we are broadening that franchise. We launched an Animal Crossing uh, experience, which consumers are loving, and it bodes well as we look to launch an Animal Crossing game on Nintendo Switch coming soon. So for us, it had to be part of a larger strategy versus just one-off executions of mobile games.
3: Let's talk about augmented and virtual reality. Clearly you have much more of a stake in augmented reality through your role in Pokemon Go. Virtual reality, not yet. Where do you see those shaking out to whatever extent you can tell us in the world of Nintendo?
2: We have experience in this space uh, dating back to the Virtual Boy. Uh, With augmented reality, it's something that we built into the Nintendo 3DS, right, a system that is approaching 75 million units sold worldwide. And so, th- this is something that we constantly think about, that we constantly experiment with. Um, virtual reality, you know what we've said is, it's technology that we're looking at, but in the end it has to be fun, because that is our mission, that is what we do, arguably better than anyone else. And so, you know, nothing to announce here on this stage, But these are going to be technologies that we'll continue to experiment with, and as we look to create
3: new and compelling experiences, we bring them to life. You alluded to this at the beginning, but one of the most fascinating things on the horizon is the expansion of the brand through the relationship with Universal. What can we expect, and I know there's already an experience in one park, in parks and in theaters uh, with the Nintendo brand?
2: So what what I can tell you is this. whether it's Universal Studios in the theme park space, whether it's Illumination Entertainment in the movie space, you know, our focus was partnering with best-in-class companies. In doing so, we want to leverage what we do best, which is uh, the, the creation and management of our intellectual property, and leverage that with what these other companies do best, whether it's in creating a theme park experience, that is second to none, or telling stories uh, through video entertainment, which is what Illumination does so well. Uh, I can tell you that our creators are heavily involved in these projects, mm. so that you know, what, will, what will be the result are true experiences that tie back to the intellectual property.
3: Reggie, this has been fantastic. Is there any message you'd wanna leave the, the crowd with here?
2: You know, so the, the message that I would leave for this group, you know, so, you know, we're, we're a local company uh, out in Redmond. Um, we are a company that, uh, as I've said repeatedly, is focused on innovation, focused on reinvention, uh, focused on doing things that are new and different. And, you know, from that standpoint, we're, we're always looking to uh, work with innovative partners uh, that share our mindset. Um, and as a shameless plug, we're always looking for great people.
3: Oh, are you, the, every, Everybody's <laughs> hiring, Reg, everybody's, <laughs> Reggie. Reggie Fusame, thank you very much for being at the GeekWire Summit.
2: Absolutely, thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to Geared Up. If you like the show, why don't you go ahead and give us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform or just tell a friend about the show. You can tune into to our live streamed recordings of the podcast at Andrew's YouTube channel, youtube.com slash gear live. We normally do this once a week and you get a chance to ask us questions and have some fun behind the scenes. We will see you again next week. Filling in for Todd and Andrew, I'm Geared Up producer Claire McGrain. Thank you for listening.